Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Reactions Podcast. My name is Tyler Johnson and I'm joined with my co-host, Eric Roscoe. Hi. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing fine. Let's talk about some Money in the Bank matches and some stuff that happened afterwards. Yeah, so um, this is the first episode of the Wrestling Reactions Podcast and we're going to be talking about the first WWE pay-per-view following WrestleMania this year, which is Money in the Bank 2019. And we're also going to be going into a little bit of what happens on Raw and SmackDown following Money in the Bank. Um, yeah, so, you know. Let's we... get to it. So the kickoff show starts the Money in the Bank pay-per-view um, with a lot of talking and a lot of promos. Just constantly, the video packages and the promos just don't really stop on the kickoff show. Yeah, it's the usual stuff. But there was at least one thing that stood out. Uh, <laughs> a couple of people kept calling others Renee. And, well, first, Kevin Owens had a, had a backstage interview with one of the new backstage interview women... I believe her name is Sarah. So Kevin starts it off. Well, Renee. And <laughs> right before the kickoff show match started, Coach sent it off. Sent it off to uh, Tom Phillips, Byron Saxton, and Renee Young. But Renee wasn't part of the team. That was Corey Graves instead. And he had his own little quip to. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, little unscripted moments that you know stand out well above the uh, just the standard run-of-the-mill lines that they're fed <laughs> to just repeat over and over again. So stupid little things like that are, you know, what make the kickoff show unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, that is how we got uh, looking real Jack, baby. Yes, the uh, the famed Booker T to Rowan. Who, who was who also was in the kickoff great show. Great segue to <laughs> the, uh, the first match of the the kickoff, the first and only match of yeah. the kickoff show, which is the Usos facing the current uh, SmackDown tag team. Well, the Usos of Raw facing the yes. current SmackDown uh, tag team champions Daniel Bryan and uh, Rowan. And it was a non-title match, which we didn't realize until the end of the match. Yeah, I like from the judging from how the commentators reacted to the end of the match. I don't think anyone knew, <laughs> aside from maybe the um, the ring announcer who knew not to congratulate the Usos as being yeah. new champions. Yeah, just saying that they're winners, but uh, and then the commentators kind of shifted gears, saying like, did they just become the number one contenders to the SmackDown Tag Team Championship? <laughs> yeah, there was a kind of shoehorned in there that uh, probably no one is ever going to bring up again. Um, but the match itself, we can talk about that for a second, yeah. was really good. I mean, the Usos, Daniel Bryan, Rowan, no one's bad. Really good competitors. In that ring. One of the best tag teams in the world versus one of the best single individual wrestlers <laughs> in the world and a big hoss. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of good <laughs> spots. There was a lot of just... Um, the Usos just high-flying, I thought. As usual, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, good way to... Start things off for the pay per view. Yeah, not sure what that means as far as wild card and. Uh, the, the no thing. one knows what it means. <laughs> wild card's wild. Yeah, and so then, once that match is over and you know Dana... leading up to the start of the pay per view with the end of the kickoff, something interesting happens. Yeah, they they start off or they end the kickoff show with Naomi's entrance, which is strange because it's like. The pay-per-view hasn't officially started yet, so she just goes to the ring, uh, then they cut to commercial, they do their whole WWE signature at the beginning of the show, mm -hmm. and then she's standing in the ring to no music, music hits, and she dances around a little bit. Yeah. Um, also, she's, also, she's dressed, in, she's dressed, I can't talk, she's dressed like a Bumblebee from DC, <laughs> which which was interesting. Yeah. You don't normally see people dressed like that. Just dressed like a certain character, a different character than where they're supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> winning the match that they're in, though. Yeah, it didn't look good for her showing up. Uh, we doubted that she was gonna win. Although I, yeah. I you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to Naomi winning just because I think she'd make a 
a glow money in the bank. That would be cool. A glow in the bank. Like <laughs> I with, like that. Like she did with the, the old uh, SmackDown women's title when she came right. in a glow. That was good. Um, so the, the match uh, just started is Bailey, Nikki Cross, Mandy Rose with Sonya Deville, mm-hmm. who uh, it's a key part in the finish of the match. Yep. Carmella, Naomi, Natalia, and the standout MVP of the match, uh, although not winner, Dana Brooke. She, oh boy. We can talk she, about her. She had a thing. Her, her dangle <laughs> from... We'll get, we'll get to it. <laughs> I mean, saying dangle kind of leads to something else, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, starting off the match, they had a really... They had some really good spots using the ladders... Yeah. A lot of creativity. The sequences that they had were just... It was a very high-energy match to start off with. It was a mm-hmm. good choice to start off the pay-per-view. It kind of gives you gets you in that, you know, this is a... Like, a ladder match is going to be unpredictable and no disqualification. Yeah. And they just, p- just kept pulling out ladders. Mm-hmm. One spot that really stood out to me was with Naomi. Uh, she literally ducked between the two ladders coming toward her, doing a split. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. And then there was the, um, I guess it was would be considered a botch with Bailey landing like on her side of the ladder and cut her open, like oh, just yeah. uh, just on her hip. So she uh, she shed a little bit of blood. And there was also the one of the best eclipses by Ember Moon. Oh yeah, from the on ladder, Natalia, from the ladder outside into the ring, mm-hmm. which was great. It I, was incredible. You know, I completely forgot about that spot. Oh, and I didn't even mention. Uh, Ember Moon. Whenever I was going through all of the uh, yeah, I was I was I thought you did, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of women in that match. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then the finish of the match. Well, well, first um, yeah, there was the Carmella injury. Yeah, she got hurt in her leg or ankle or something, and apparently Mandy Rose just stopped attacking her after that. It was weird when it first happened. Yeah, you were kind of like, oh wait, is this real? Is there like is she actually injured, or is this part of the... Is it a work? It's a work. Yeah. But, yeah, she went into the back thinking, okay, they're going to play it up. And she's gone for several minutes getting that knee taped up. But then... Pulling a Roman Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> <showing> back up. <laughs> or Lesnar. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, then we had... What was after that... Then it was. I, I think oh, it was. It was Miss Dana Brooke. Oh yeah. She. She had so much time at the top of the ladder. Yeah, there was. I, I don't know if it was a missed time on the spot or. Her hand was on it. She was like. It was ready to just be unlocked and everything, and then she once. I think it was Bailey who went up with her, and Dana just grabbed onto the case, let her legs off the ladder. And just sort of hung on to the briefcase and just flail around. <laughs> you know, I like I understand, you know, why they have to do that. Like, but it just kind of makes whoever's up there kind of look like a chump. Like they don't yeah. know what they're doing. It, it, it looked re- bad. It reflects badly on Ali at the end of the pay per view because he's in a similar situation where he has his hands on it, mm-hmm. and it just could say that about any. Money in the bank match, really? Yeah, that's that's true, and it like Becky last year. Yeah, they have their hands on it. And it's just you kind of when you're in kayfabe and you're just like watching, you're like just scrab it, scrab it. Like you're a competitor in the match, mm-hmm. like. Um, and then you know, the the finish of the match does involve uh, Sonny Deville putting Mandy well, Rose up. First on of all, Carmella comes back as oh, yeah. Mandy and Sonya. Were like getting their stuff ready. Carmella makes us think like, oh, she's gonna pull a back-to-back win. Yeah. But then I believe it was Sonya that knocked her out. Well, uh, her second win it wouldn't be back-to-back. Alexa Bliss won last year. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I believe Sonya knocked her out, and then a hurt Mandy Rose was put onto the shoulders of Sonya and she started climbing the ladder as Bailey got to the top as well knocked them down and won the match 
Yeah, and then um, so Bailey is your women's uh, Money in the Bank briefcase holder, and she let everyone know in the audience of Hartford, Connecticut, by giving everyone hugs for like <laughs> fifteen minutes. It was a prolonged celebration, which you know, good for Bailey. Uh, I've been waiting for this for a while because she's been wasted. Yeah, she has. Um, however, in my opinion, the match really went. It was a great match. Great winner, you know, celebration, whatever. And then they get in the ring, and it just kind of sours everything when they give... Uh, she gives an in-ring interview, and she's just talking about Sasha Banks. The crowd is not happy. Yeah, They're was, just booing Sasha. And, it was odd. Uh, and if you don't know, Sasha um, is kind of on the outs with the company at the moment. and As far as we know. Yeah, there's just some weird, you know... Dirt sheets are reporting on different things, and apparently Sasha's unhappy uh, with the company. And so, you know, it could be WWE sending a message to Sasha being like, look, Bailey stayed. She's now the Money in the Bank briefcase holder, potentially uh, a champion, you know. Uh, See who, what happens. Who knows by the end of the pay-per-view who's holding that, uh, who's holding the well, championship? It's been a few days. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, it it definitely could be a petty move, being like, "Oh, you left, so we're just giving your ex tag team partner um, everything." Yeah. <laughs> but then, moving on from the women's Money in the Bank, it is the Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the United States Championship with Dominic on the pole match, <laughs> second one ever for Rey Mysterio. Yeah, this uh, this match was about a third of the length of Bailey's celebration. Yeah. <laughs> the match was uh, was short, and Mysterio won with a surprise roll up, I guess, um, where Samoa Joe's shoulders weren't even on the mat. Well, his one shoulder was de- like completely up, but he was he took a shot to the face, yeah, and a, a kick to the head, and he was bleeding like from three places on his face. <laughs> Which made so, him look way more intimidating than he already okay. does. Yeah, there's like a gif somewhere online that has the perfect shot of him just having a little streak of blood coming out of the nose. And yeah, they since he might have, I believe he broke his nose. Yeah, that's what I, I uh, read some reports on. I don't know. But you know, Mysterio now is yeah. the you're not, you, United States champion. Yeah, they decided to cut the match short because of all that. Didn't want to risk it. Because of possible concussion, mm-hmm. but yeah, even though even though afterward uh, Joe jumped Mysterio and took him out, yeah, with uh, well, you know, he was uh, just beating the crap out of him with Dominic at ringside. Dominic, you know, just standing there watching, not going in to help his dad. I was yeah. I was waiting for a Dominic heel turn, didn't come. <laughs> Once Samoa Joe was done beating the holy hell out of Mysterio, he leaves. Dominic goes in, you know cries with his dad and uh <laughs> that and that's it for that and yeah there really wasn't too much to it but i feel like this feud is cursed because there's been like three matches now and two of them have been really have been short, ended yeah. really short yeah wrestlemania's match was just because mysterio hurt his ankle and this one <laughs> just an accident you know it's sad because you have these two great um professional wrestlers samoa joe this and might mysterio. be the last time to ever feud yeah last and only time they're both legends in their own right and these types of uh, botches should not be happening with these two in the ring I wouldn't say they're botches they're just accidents I guess can't really he accidentally hurt his ankle and then Joe accidentally got busted up and then uh, we continue the Miz Shane McMahon uh, feud which it's still going, <laughs> which is is fine, I guess, considering the end of the WrestleMania match ended in a little bit of uh, some controversy. Yeah. So then we have a steel cage match. Yeah. Coming up next, where Miz just wants to beat the hell out of him. Yeah, it was a very one-sided match, pretty much the entire time, with Shane just trying to get away and the Miz just taking control, which is pretty much what we saw in the WrestleMania match. Two was once the Miz had control, it was just Shane trying to escape. Yeah, even from the like ring of the bell, Shane immediately tries to get out of the cage. <laughs> and there were some close calls there too, where the Miz only got like a single pant leg at the last second, and 
Shane had to have been partially out of the cage at least eight times before the Miz finally gets a hold of him and brings him back in. Yeah. And there was actually a, a really, really bad um, a, spot where there was a rope break, but it's a cage match, and there's no rope breaks in a cage match. Yeah, and the, the fans start chanting BS because they know it was messed up and just a total... There's a lot of ref botches in this. Well, I, I think it's by the same ref at least two out of the three times. And it's just very confusing, you know, when the refs are... The, when you the, can't follow your own rules, nobody knows what the rules are. And I think the refs should be one aspect of WWE that always stays kayfabe. Because they're the one things in the ring that's, you know, making sure things are correct and how they should be. Leave it to the wrestlers to do their work. Yeah. And just the refs should be responsible for doing their job. Because and like, they constantly say refs' decision is final. Yeah. We can't, when you can't rely on the decision being even close to being f- fair or logical, where do you go from there? Yeah, I've always heard that you know refs are supposed to call every match like a shoot that's what they're supposed to do but it seems more and more that they're just being pushed more and being part of the finish and I, I don't like that aspect if that's what's happening yeah if they're like supposed to be doing this or they're just bad referees um but well the... <laughs> let's talk about the finish for this yeah slippery Shane yeah Shane goes over the top of the cage and Miz has him again, and Shane ends up falling out by slipping through his shirt. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, I don't think that finish was fitting for this match. I, I don't think Shane should have won. I think it should have been a pretty definitive Wiz-Min. Wiz-Min? Miz win. I think wow. that uh, he really needs needed this win, and... Um, oh, and we just kind of glossed over it, but there was a great spot. Uh, it was a superplex um, from the cage, from the Miz to oh, Shane. that's right. Which just looked absolutely brutal on Shane's body. Oh my gosh. The, you know, I feel like in the 90s and early 2000s, I used to like love seeing Shane take these high risk mm-hmm. moves, and now I'm just more worried <laughs> that he's going to... what, almost 50? Yeah, I think he's like... I don't want to see the man die in ring. <laughs> as much as I love... You know, high spots and hardcore wrestling. It, it's that's. <laughs> I don't want to see. This. I don't want to see a man die. Yeah, he's forty nine years old. <laughs> oh boy. So Shane McMahon wins. Um, the feud continues. I guess I'm not really sure what Shane is up to with the whole Reigns Elias. Uh, Shane's but, in the middle of like five <laughs> different feuds right now. And then uh, we go backstage. Um, to Triple H and a bunch of officials. Well, I mean, Triple H tells the cameraman to get out because uh, Sami Zayn is uh, dangling upside down. Someone tied him up. You were meant to uh, assume that it is Braun Strowman. Yeah, earlier in the show, which we failed to mention, uh, Sami Zayn begged Triple H to like prevent Strowman from entering the building, not to be here, because he was like, I am in danger we both know I'm in danger, so he shouldn't be allowed here. And then Triple H was saying, he's not allowed here or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, he was on the phone talking with someone at yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, Zane kept trying to interrupt him, which kind of made the segment. But, yeah, this is the aftermath to that. Yeah, so it's they just find him, and Triple H pushes the cameraman away. and Which and... reminds me of another segment that we failed to mention was Strowman actually being at the show and then just barreling through backstage knocking over a pallet holding up a guy to the truck saying where's Sami Zayn <laughs> yeah so the, that whole like the Braun Sammy stuff is all just happening backstage and uh, neither one of them do take part in the Money in the Bank match which you know first it was Strowman and then Sami Zayn won with the help of is it Baron Corbin Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre yeah on an episode of Raw to give Sami Zayn that spot. So now it's 
very much seeing from backstage that Braun is trying to get his spot back. Behind. Yeah, and after seeing that Triple H talk to Strowman saying, you're out of the building. Yeah, he's that happens. He's not in the match. So it's like they find him hanging up, and then it's the cruiserweight match, and then um, following the cruiserweight match is when Triple H tells Braun Strowman to leave, and Strowman just does it. He's like, whatever, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not part of this storyline anyway. Yeah, he's just like, I don't I don't know what you're talking about, but that's fine, I'll leave, I don't have a match. Yeah. So it's very... And you mentioned the Cruiserweight match, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that was uh, Tony Nese versus Arya Davari. Our champion, Tony Nese. Yeah. Um, the premier athlete. Darn right. <laughs> for the uh, 205 Cruiserweight Championship. Um, and... Let me just start off by saying that this match got a boring chant, which is unheard of for a pay-per-view cruiserweight match. Um, I mean, neither guy is really the most flippy lucha type guy anyway. Yeah. So it's it, it didn't really play to their strengths, I feel. You know, I, I did like uh, Davari coming out. Um, you know, he got the gold chain, the sunglasses. He comes out in a nice car. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about cars. Is it a Cadillac? I think it was a Mercedes. Mercedes, I don't, I don't, maybe. I, the car doesn't really matter. It was just a nice car. But he barely made it out of the curtain that he came through in the car. <laughs> so it's like, I don't think many people saw it. Yeah, but it, it at least from, like, you know, on network, uh, it was very reminiscent of old Alberto Del Rio coming out in like a nice car and yeah. like just you know he's a foreign heel make him seem really unlikable yeah like, like that. He, he got foreign money <laughs> you know WWE hates uh, foreigners in general um but you know there isn't much to say about this match there were like there were good spots it's, yeah, I, it just wasn't a great match there aren't any spots that even really stand out to me as being like this is no Buddy Murphy versus anyone yeah <laughs> this isn't, or even Cedric, Cedric Alexander yeah, this isn't Mustafa Ali this is Tony Nice and Arya Davari, which I guess they're trying to build these guys up and, and I get it with you know uh, Davari's brother working production backstage yeah. so there might be a little bit of uh, nepotism involved who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if I watched the match again, I would like it. It would, it just didn't feel that good. It wasn't... It felt like one of the ones where you just take a bathroom break. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Tony Nese does end up uh, retaining his title after a running niece. Um, Which and, is one of the best names. Yes. And then shows backstage with Braun Strowman and then we move on to the Raw Women's Championship match. And this one um, it is oh be- boy. it is between Becky Two Belts, uh, <laughs> Becky Lynch who holds the Raw and SmackDown Women's title going against Lacey Evans. The sassy Southern Belle. The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the sassy Southern Belle. Um, and so this is the first of Becky Lynch's matches of the evening. She's also going to be facing Charlotte uh, what we assume would be much later in the evening. Turns out it's directly following this match. And let's talk about the Raw Women's Championship first. Yeah, uh, I think this is... It was a decent match. If it wasn't for there being a Money in the Bank match, two Money in the Bank matches, and Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles on this card, this would have been the match of the night for me. I enjoyed Probably. every aspect of it. Everything that Lacey Evans does is just so smooth and so crisp. She's just... A fantastic worker, like I'm impressed yeah. with everything she does, especially her character. Yeah, she's... even though it's a bit watered down <laughs> since she's on the main roster now, it's hands down one of the best women characters, wrestlers, anything that you have on the main roster right now. Yeah, and you know, Lacey Evans should be your Raw Women's Champion. Yep, because we this... got Ref Botch number two, <laughs> where story. there was a. Uh... Um, Samoa Joe's shoulder not being down, the rope break during the, oh. the cage match, and this is... See, I'm already losing this track is, of everything because there's so a, many ref botches. Yeah, but this is number three where... Where Lacey Evans had Becky... I, be, I believe it was just a regular roll-up, and she had her pinned... For like four, four seconds. For like four seconds. The same ref from the Miz match didn't do 
anything. Just stood there, like, just staring. like. And the commentator tried to play it off, like, oh. Maybe know. her shoulder's not down. They were both clearly down. Yeah, this you... isn't a Samoa Joe match <laughs> thing where he's got one where he's completely off the mat. Yeah. This, that was bad. But, uh, and then she rolls, uh, Lynch rolls uh, Evans from that pin um, into a disarmor and... And she immediately taps. Yeah, there was not even a, you know, maybe you can view this as uh, Lacey Evans just wanting to, like, not risk her breaking her arm, and she just wanted to get out of that quickly. She was close to the ropes, too. Yeah, it, it just seemed a little odd to have her just give up so fast. Um, Good match, bad finish. Yeah, and... But I'm fine with Lynch, you know, continuing to hold both of these belts for right now, and then... Immediately after that... Charlotte Flair's music hits, and... As soon as as Becky is leaving, the music hits, and we get a little sly look from both of them, and Becky gets back in the ring, and we have that match. Yeah, she's, um, like... I I feel like Becky was pretty, uh... You know, apprehensive at first, but you know she doesn't want to be looked at as a you know a running champion. She wants to be a fighting champion, yeah, so she's like, whatever, I'll I'll, I'll do beat it. you both right now. Yeah, and um, that was a bad accent that I just did. Yeah, <laughs> but you know this this match does end in a little bit of um, a screwy finish because the ref was distracted. Uh, Lacey Evans came back down. Hit her with the Roman, the woman's right. Yep, and then she turned right into a Charlotte big boot. Yep, and uh, that was it. That was that was the match. Charlotte is your new SmackDown Women's Champion. Is that nine times now. Yeah, that's a nine-time. Uh, I think just uh, Women's Champion in general. I think that's including um, like all of her reigns with Raw title, the SmackDown title, and the. I think she held the Divas Championship. Okay. I do believe she held the Divas Championship, and they're including that in her reigns. But Not. once that match ended, it started into a, a little brawl between Becky, Lacey, and Charlotte. I think the I think the better term would be beatdown, considering yeah. that Charlotte just had uh, Evans hold her up against the the turnbuckle, and she was just beating her, just right. just kicking her over and over again. I I don't understand what these what these blondes have against Becky Lynch, just, especially Charlotte. Why did she need to continue beating this? Like you won the title. Um, I felt that there was no need for Charlotte to do this. Lacey, I understand, you know, she she got screwed out of Because she's a heel. Yeah, I guess. Um, but then, you know. We hear the least threatening music ever. <laughs> it, uh, it's Bailey's entrance music. And, and is she, then you think, oh, is she going to go for a cash-in on yeah. Becky, get that Raw Women's title? But uh, no, she goes and starts helping uh, Becky yeah. with... You know, because faces help faces, even yeah. though I think right now Bailey's more of a tweener. She's more of like a... Well, she's aggressive, Bailey. Yeah, she's a baby face that's rough around the edges. <laughs> she's got a bit of scruff. <laughs> Which I do uh, like that aspect of her character. I do like a rough Bailey, you know. She doesn't have to be a five-year-old all the time. Cause she's like a... with the kendo match that she had. One... Yeah. She's a professional wrestler. She's not a child. Yeah. And... Be like sometimes WWE creative, forget that. But this little uh, brawl ended up leading to a cash in on Charlotte. Yeah. After she was beaten down by Bailey and Becky. And, and it only took 20 seconds for Bailey to get on the top rope, hit her with the elbow. The macho Man yep. uh, on homage. Yeah. <laughs> and got her with the pin, and we have a new SmackDown Women's Championship champion. Within, like, five minutes, there have been three champions. Yeah, three out of the four is horsewomen. This, is this the hardcore champion of women? Right. Um, and this is the, uh, you know, the second year in a row that a um, women's Money in the Bank winner has cashed in. On the late, same night. Yeah, yeah, later on in the show with uh, Alexa Bliss cashing in on Nia Jax last yeah. year. Was it Nia Jax? Yeah, it yeah. was Nia Jax because yeah. she was defending it against Ronda. Yeah, okay. And then Bailey had another celebration that lasted another ten minutes. <laughs> Did she? I don't even remember her doing that. <laughs> you Maybe so. you got that mixed up with the Money in the Bank one, because I know she celebrated for oh, like ten minutes yeah. with, with the championship. Okay. Yeah, then she must have celebrated with that and not the Money in the Bank. But 
was that is then is that where she had the Sasha promo? Was no, the Sasha promo was after Money in the Bank. I okay, believe. it was okay. There was a lot of Bailey on this show. Yeah, I'm not I'm not opposed to that. Bailey had two matches technically. Uh, Becky Lynch had two matches. <laughs> There's a lot of double matches going Bailey's on. Bailey's good. <laughs> and, and then. Uh, we transition backstage to uh, Roman Reigns walking with a creepy Elias uh, behind him. Sneaky holding... sneaking. He follows him for a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's slowly getting that guitar up and wham! Breaking that guitar right over Roman's back. Yep. Immobilizing him temporarily. And Elias decides to head out to the ring with a new electric guitar. Yeah. Actually finishing his set this time too, which is really rare. <laughs> Because the, the scheduled match was Roman Reigns uh, versus Elias. Um, and the storyline going into this was Roman punched, uh, Superman punched Vince McMahon in the face. And Shane didn't like that. So Shane, essentially, Elias is just his lackey. Well, also, Elias was the greatest acquisition by SmackDown ever. Oh, yeah. And that was Elias. And that all happened in that same segment. Right. Right before the punch punch heard around the world and uh, after Elias was done berating the city of Hartford and the fact that the Whalers left over 20 years ago sports reference (laughs) uh, as Elias was walking out Roman's music hit he started beating him down Roman beat Elias down and threw him back in the ring I believe he hit him with a spear and pinned him again match took 10 seconds Roman, Roman is your winner yeah, it was just a Superman punch and spear, and I, like, after they rang the bell that Roman had won, I didn't even had like realized that the match had started. <laughs> I was like, all, all right, okay. I just thought they were just going to be um, just, you know, an in-ring segment and not anything special. Right. And next we have a, you know, five-star classic of Seth Rollins. Yeah, we can get a five-star. It was at least four. No. It was, it was good. Okay. It was great. I, everyone... It wasn't the greatest of all time, according to 2K. That's what five-star means to them. <laughs> no, I think the only people that would not like this match, the Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles for the Universal Championship, is all of the farmers that were, you know, affected by this barn burner of a match. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is uh, for the Universal Championship, you know, after Seth Rollins has... You know, finally slain, been the Beast Slayer and beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for that title. AJ Styles uh, came over from SmackDown to Raw on the Superstar Shakeup and beat Baron Corbin. What was uh, Baron Corbin that he beat for the number one contenders? I don't know. I'm still stunned on that barn burner joke. <laughs> yeah, because there was a uh, AJ Styles um, did beat Baron Corbin like a few weeks leading up to. Um, it was something like that. Yeah, to be number one contender. And the build to this match was fantastic. All of the, you know, showing classic footage from Seth Rollins when he was Tyler ba- Tyler Black in the independent scene facing uh, much younger AJ Styles. I love the short hair. Yeah. Um, I think there was... Short hair Styles is best Styles. I think there was a clip they um, were showing with AJ Styles facing a 19-year-old Seth Rollins and AJ Styles telling the crowd that Rollins is going to be the future of the business, and now you have both of them, you know, in a one-on-one match for the title. It isn't... It's surreal. Yeah, it's not in the main event of WrestleMania or anything, but it's still, you know, a big money match, and definitely, you know, this is not going to be the last time that these two go one-on-one in it's WWE. It's probably the the must-see match of the night. Oh, for sure. It, it's on par with the men's money in the bank. Like, those two matches, uh, but... The one thing that's great about the Rollins Styles matches, absolutely no, no funny business. There was, you know, no inter, uh, no interference. There no was, hits to the nuts like most AJ Styles matches go. <laughs> yeah, there was, um, you know, a nice handshake at the end of the match. It was a clean finish. It was a respectful match. Yeah, it was something. There was a lot of counters. My God, it was a very hard fellow. It was something that. You know, you don't see too often anymore, especially at pay-per-views, because they're so focused on what's next, they can't sit down and really... Enjoy the moment. Right. It, it was very reminiscent of the TLC match between uh, Finn Balor and AJ Styles a few years ago, where it was just straight 
just two great performers out there doing what they do best. Mm-hmm. Not there was no storyline involved when they were in the ring, and just now that one was a barn burner. <laughs> and we and we can talk about all of the the spots in this um, Styles uh, Rollins the, match. The only one that really stood out to me was the uh, Stomp turning into the Styles Clash, which just didn't seem possible. But, right, but it, they pulled it off. Immaculately. And as much as I do love that spot, I was kind of uh, disappointed to see a kick out of the Styles Clash. Yeah. Um, I think that move is one that should be kept, you know, pretty sacred. And uh, but you know, if anyone could kick out of it, it is the Universal it, Champion. You gotta have like your top one of your top stars do that. Yeah, for sure. I don't think. Well, about that spot, Rollins barely got that his <laughs> arm around Styles' leg just in time for it too. So. That could have ended pretty badly if yeah. it went even slightly wrong. Those uh, <laughs> there's been many styles class, styles clash, uh, botches, and they're just nauseating to watch. They're just people's head. There's one with uh, James Ellsworth uh, from a couple of years ago, and it's you know that's how we lost his chin. <laughs> that was a, it was just a brutal one, and there was some from TNA. But yeah, and they shook in the ring, and that was it. Seth retained. Yeah. He um, got he, him with a kick, kick to the gut, and then got him with the curb stomp. Yeah, and there was a, a frog splash in there somewhere, which is I beautiful. think it was before the kicks. <laughs> and then we move on next to Kofi Kingston, um, the WWE champion. Or no, actually before that, uh, the Lucha House Party's music hits. Um, they advertise it as a six-man tag match. So while the Lucha House Party were coming up, we, when we were watching it, we were wondering, like, what, who, who's <laughs> left? Who can possibly go against these guys? Yeah, we thought it was going to be some mixture of, like, Bobby Lashley or... I know. was thinking something along the lines of the Raw Tag Team Champions and someone else. Yeah, they But I don't know. And it has become my least favorite entrance music is Lars Sullivan's, like... The little piano thing. Yeah, I mostly just because it um, signals Lars Sullivan coming out. Yeah, I um, want him off my TV. Um, so yeah, he comes out, he tosses around uh, three minorities, which is something that <laughs> Lars Sullivan is probably really good at, um, you know, putting down uh, <laughs> people of color. And but, Lars Sullivan's a trash human being. Um but Lars Sullivan, you know... It, there was no six-man tag match. I would rather have the six-man tag match. Yeah, there was no there was no scheduled match. There was just... However, you know, as much as I dislike Lars Sullivan um, as a person, as a character, he did look very intimidating when he had a streak of uh, blood coming down from his head. I don't even know when that happened exactly, but, you know, and it's kind of sad seeing him beat up... The Lucha House Party, uh, specifically because of Kalisto speaking out against some of uh, Lars Sullivan's past uh, statements, you know, but... It's it's not a good situation at all. Yeah, so let's let's just move on from that. Lars Sullivan stands tall, and he'll continue to do that. And to make us disappointed. Then we come on with the, uh, the Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens uh, WWE Championship match. Um, this match is, you know, be, came about when Kevin Owens was an honorary member of the New Day. He was with, Big O. Yeah, with Big E out injured, um, Kevin Owens filled those shoes and was hilarious. And uh, then he turned heel, uh, turned back heel. He wasn't faced for very long. Um, it was originally due to uh, Daniel Bryan not being cleared yet, even though he was cleared a week later. Mm-hmm. And which so, kind of disappoints me. Yeah, but, you know, it was a fine match. It was definitely not one that anyone's talking about the next day, but Kofi Kingston retained after a trouble in paradise, um, which is fine, you know. There were a ton of counters in this one as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think Kevin Owens got a single finishing move (laughs) on Kingston in this match. It it definitely felt like a a filler match or just a... Well, not a filler match. I feel like it was just... There was... It's hard to describe this one. It it was good. It just didn't feel like anything was going to change. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Kofi Kingston is uh, still your champion. Probably will be for a very long time. 
don't know what is next, where, Co- where Kevin Owens can really go from here. I feel like he's kind of just, you know. Well, since he's not going to Saudi Arabia, he's probably going to oh, be yeah, yeah, yeah. treading water for a little bit. Which, uh, you know, props to him for standing by uh, Sami Zayn, who uh, Sami Zayn is not allowed to go to um, Super Showdown because it takes place in Saudi Arabia and Sami Zayn is Muslim. Well, no, he's of Syrian descent. Oh, he's I... also a Canadian. And I thought it had to do with the Muslim. He's the wrong kind of Muslim, apparently. But okay. That's a whole other issue. Yeah, there's just a lot going on. Saudi Arabia, not even getting into that right now. But It's a bag of worms you don't <laughs> want open. Uh, and then we come to the main event of the evening, which is the men's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match featuring Baron Corbin, uh, Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor, Ricochet, uh, Andrade, Ali, Drew McIntyre, and Randy Orton. And so it was originally scheduled to be an eight-man, now down to seven because Sami Zayn is said um, to be sent to a local medical facility. After... And they actually said hospital left. Oh, or... did they tell hospital? Yeah. Okay, so he is sent to a hospital, and, uh, you know, Braun Strowman had agreed to leave the building. Right. So there is that empty empty uh, slot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. We'll get to that in the finish. Um, let's talk about the match itself. You know, there were too many spots to um, to talk about, but we can. There's one where Finn Balor uh, gets power bombed through, like into the ladder by Andrade, and it just looks really beautiful, uh, really painful on on Finn, mostly because of the the bounce back that he does mm-hmm. where he slams into it then bounces in the air and then hits it again on his way back down my back hurts just watching it yeah he took a lot to his back he took at least four different hits to the back on ladders alone yeah it was bad oh um for i i, I believe that um ali or drew mcintyre um, or even andrade should have won this match um, I think that the Money in the Bank could have done a lot for them. Um, we learned that none of them won. Before um, that, though, I wanted to point out that pretty much from the start, Randy Orton did one of my favorite things in the match, and that was throw pretty much everyone in the match onto an announcer's table in the same way that he did to the Singh brothers of old. <laughs> and then just Wait. casually tossing them onto there like it's like the like they're nothing which is a uh, which is smart um in you know the sense of the match where you need to get everyone away from that ring yeah you don't want them anywhere near so it was uh you know it was well scouted by Randy <laughs> Orton it was very well scouted which um you know they said well scouted so many times in this pay-per-view they say it every pay-per-view <laughs> <laughs> that's right they don't, oh they, man they don't have too many things they got to say that just reminded me that Ali went through the Spanish announce table and it, was it Ricochet that went through the ladder or was it someone else I do believe it was it was Ricochet it would have been McIntyre that went through the ladder yeah, but they broke the ladder in half and then like it sprung back to like, yeah it was it was nasty yeah there was just a lot um, just definitely watch this match if you have it this is like I'd say one of the best Money in the Bank matches we've seen in a long time I would disagree really be- due to the ending Okay, yeah. So we are very split on the ending of this match. Spoilers, um, by the way. <laughs> Brock Lesnar. I mean, spoilers for the whole thing. I don't know why I'm saying that now. <laughs> yeah, Brock Lesnar's music hits. Um, As Ali has the briefcase in his hands, yeah, about and, to take it off the hook. And Ali just stares at... Stares um, at Lesnar in shock as he... As everyone is just kind of <laughs> in shock. They, they don't know what's going on. You know, is this going to be... Um, I was expecting it to be similar to Hell in a Cell, where Lesnar shows up, you know, just destroys everyone and leaves. Like, I thought that was going to be it, but no. He comes down with Paul Heyman, of course, um, ascends the ladder very quickly, um, and, uh... He won. Yeah, he is, uh, Brock Lesnar is... Brock Lesnar is your Money in the Bank winner. Yes, and, you know... I hate it. And the, the commentary team do go on to say that he has been made uh, Sammy's replacement. Um, which, you know, is news to everyone, but logically does make a little bit of sense. Uh, 
you know, because Strowman had said that he didn't know what was going on backstage, and uh, so apparently it was Brock Lesnar who had been on the phone, or it was possibly Paul Heyman on the phone with Triple H in the back. Lesnar who shows really up, uh, attacks Sami Zayn, and there's definitely some some talk of how that happened, but I do not believe this is a bad thing uh, for the WWE in general. One, Lesnar's a huge draw, no matter what he does. He needs something. You know, he is, you know, a powerhouse by himself, but I think giving him something that's not a title, like the Money in the Bank, where he, you know, can do what he does best, is show up whenever he wants, when no one is expecting him, which is kind of what the Money in the Bank briefcase represents. You know, people who can just show up whenever. And I just think that having, you know, this fear of someone cashing in, it's like that's scary enough for a champion. And the fear of Brock Lesnar in general. Yeah, having it be Brock Lesnar is just, you know, there's uh, honestly not much you can do to hold on to your title whenever Lesnar's walking around with the Money in the Bank briefcase. And this is something that he has never held. True. um, Do I, you know, understand your argument about... uh, my argument is that it takes away any potential new stars being made yes. or even elevating current stars to another level. Guys like Drew McIntyre have been sitting kind of in the mid-card for a while now, only getting a one Raw Tag Team Championship uh, with Ziggler oh, like yeah. a year ago. I forgot that even. And now he's been just treading water with guys like Lashley and Corbin and you see how much potential guys like McIntyre have and you want him to have something to give him that extra push but having it with guys like Lesnar it it's more of the same old thing really. I definitely see where you're coming from. I just think that you know I like to just uh, let WWE kind of do their thing like what if they think if they have a good story coming up if they know what they're moving on forward from here you know I'll see where it goes for sure if you know if it turns out that this was a horrible decision down the road I'll admit being wrong and this was a horrible decision to put the money in the bank into Brock's hands and Um, if it turns out being one of the best things they've ever done I'll admit I was wrong as well but I, I stand by my point right now it's going to be tough because if you keep taking away these chances for the younger talent you're going to have to keep relying on the part-timers like Brock and you just hurt yourselves in the long run so that was our overall review of Money in the Bank 2019 and now we're going to give our overall ratings of it I'd say out of a on a 1 to 5 scale I'd give it a 3 due to it not giving too much in the way of there weren't too many huge moments compared to other pay-per-views aside from the Lesnar thing but yeah it's not one that I would go out of my way to watch again unless I'm going through all of the Money in the Bank pay-per-views how about you Tyler um see I would rate it a little bit higher I enjoyed a lot of the matches a lot like the Lacey Evans versus Becky uh, Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles both women's Money in the Bank I there were some negatives and it wasn't perfect but it's hard to find a perfect WWE pay-per-view WrestleMania 35 for me um, yeah that was a that was a good one but I I do think this is good um, I'll give it a three and a half um, out of five you know it's it's better than the majority of current WWE pay-per-views it's not a Wrestlemania or a Rumble it's not a stomping grounds <laughs> See, it's definitely better than what I assume Stomping Ground will be or whatever future Saudi Arabia show. So I you know, I think that we should give WWE props when they've put on a show that we can end and I felt satisfied. I know the You where you feel sports entertained? Yeah, I did definitely felt sports entertained. Um you know, at the time of recording this Raw and SmackDown have aired. Um so there have been a lot of uh, fallout coming from Money in the Bank leading into the next um, week of WWE uh, television, starting with Monday Night Raw, which 
does introduce a new championship belt as they were teasing at Money in the Bank. Yeah, it was introduced by Mick Foley, which everyone thought, oh, it, it, they're going to bring back the Hardcore Championship. I, this is going to be amazing. And then throughout the entire show, you're like, okay, this is it, this is it. And when he gets there, it he he makes this little speech about wanting to get raw, more raw, and without even saying hardcore, which is like, okay, is he is it going to be still called that? Because we're expecting the hardcore championship. But when he reveals it, it's the probably the ugliest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in terms of title belts. And it's not even called the hard, hardcore title. It's the 24-7 championship. And it's got the gimmick of Crash Holly's great 24-7 title defense. Yeah, it, it does hold the same um, premise as the original hardcore title. Um, well, the hardcore 24-7 one. It has pretty much the same rules, and you know there is a silver lining to this belt. Even if you're really against it, it at least McFoley does uh, advertise that it can be between Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, and most importantly, NXT and NXT UK, which could potentially build up a huge uh, potential future mid-carder. Um, in the WWE. It at least gets all the people in the lower card on TV as well. And it can even... Well, it already has had some use of it on social media, which I think is perfect for this. It's basically the social media championship, in a way. <laughs> and I I love the concept. I hate the, the design of it. Mm-hmm. But that's like the only negative thing I have about it. It's this is what I wanted for a while. I like this a lot. Yeah, that was um, probably the I'd say the main highlight of Monday Night Raw, aside from Lesnar using the Money in the Bank briefcase like a a boombox, like yeah, a, like an <laughs> like an early '90s boombox up on oh, his boy. shoulder, um, which but, has made some for some great gifts and some uh, videos as well, putting in their own little music. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, but I wanted to talk about so the, some of the 24-7 championship again. Oh, yeah. The original, the match to crown the inaugural <laughs> champion was Mick Foley saying, I'm going to put this here in the center of the ring, and the first person to grab it is the champion. And you just have a scramble of like... A literal scramble. Of ten lower to mid-carter people running to the ring nobody's going into the ring they're all fighting outside of it the closest guy is probably Mojo Raleigh for like five times and he just decides to let it go so if I'm remembering correctly we got Mojo Raleigh, No Way Jose um, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows Drake Maverick, Titus O'Neil Titus O'Neil who is who ended up being the inaugural champion yes um, Robert Roode was not part of the initial scramble. But here's the thing. Titus lost the title on the way up the ramp to Robert Roode. And I think it was 20 seconds? It was about 20 seconds. Let's see. I believe that is the... It was okay. 24 seconds. 24 seconds. Okay. I knew it was in that, um, that spectrum. I, there was something that happened that I want to talk about following this um, that irked me a lot. It was still part of the third hour of Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was Robert Roode had the title and he was running around with it trying to hide from the mob of you know people because it's as long as there's a ref nearby it's you can potentially win is he ran past I believe it was Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin and he had the title and they just couldn't care less. And I feel like that really, really damages the title when you have these two main event guys just not care about a belt. Shouldn't I feel like everyone on the roster should be going for this title. It should have the same prestige as like the Intercontinental or the United States. Granted, not the world title, but still people like Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin should be going after this to give it some relevancy rather than just being like, oh, look at these children running around for this toy. Well, I feel like they did that eventually at the end of the show when R-Truth tricked 
Robert Roode into but as much into as, hiding and then pinning him. As much as I love our truth, he is still a comedy act. Oh, he's one of the best comedy acts. Though. <laughs> he is, and, and he became the oldest winner of the twenty four seven championship. Uh, he's older than Titus O'Neil. He's yeah, he's forty seven years old. <laughs> Are you just reading the the stats from the? <laughs> the like, oh yeah, Robert Roode became the youngest winner. He's, he's oh, that that's that's <laughs> sad when he's the youngest winner of at forty two years young. But yeah, it we knew we know who's going to be involved in this championship. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be totally like the hardcore championship where you got guys like Kane and the Big Show also getting it. I think the Undertaker had once, but it it's due for some fun. It's it brings some life to the show. Yeah. It's all around enjoyable. And as of right now, our truth has had it for three plus days and. So far, and no house shows or anything? Cause no. It, that was a big thing with the hardcore title that it changed hands a lot of house shows. And it'd be exciting to see if they do that, have that same approach with the 24 7 yeah, uh, and, belt. And are we going to talk about more on Raw or no? Um, Is there anything particular that happened on Raw? that you want to bring up? Nothing special. Yeah, there was nothing really that stood out. The Revival and the oh, Usos had yeah. their first ever match against each other, but that but, it was a um, win by the Revival with a quick pin. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that match thoroughly. I do think they wasted on putting it on a random episode of Raw with no build aside from the the nut itching. And the, well, the Usi Hot and the shaving the back. Oh, okay, Usi Hot, that's it. Yeah, it's... Quite possibly the worst feud going on right now, and it's involving uh, two of the best tag teams in, in the, the company world. right now. In, in the world. In the world right now, yeah. And um, so we can just move on to SmackDown. Yeah, which featured our truth in a wig. Yeah, he was running away from some other lower card people. I believe the B team and some other people were there and ended up getting Carmella, like, giving Carmella a piggyback ride because she was having a match or something. I can't remember. And they were just running around backstage and Archer successfully defended his 24-7 championship for another day. And I, I do wonder with that belt if they're going to have sanctioned matches with it. I feel like there's going to be at least a few. Or but, if it's... But it's going to be like all screwy finishes. Right. I definitely can see that. I could see there being a sanctioned match and then random people running in and turning into just like a, a multi-man match. Oh, yeah. Just like always. Which which is, you know, that is the benefit of the belt is that you can have um, these types of matches and these types of finishes that otherwise would be, like, you would not want to ruin the Universal title. Just right. Just throwing it around I mean, like it's already nothing. kind of ruined, but we'll get, <laughs> that's another story, but... I could see them doing what they did before with having like time limit matches mm-hmm. and having it whoever's champion at the end of this is right, that right. I is the, see is the championship until say the end of the pay-per-view. Then the 24/7 starts again. So or or even something similar to that where it's like once the match is over none of those guys can get it but someone just Sneaks up behind him, smacks him on the head, pins him. They're the new champion after that. So there's plenty of ways to do it. I I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with it. Um, as for other things on SmackDown, a certain return. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler returns, and he is now the number one contender. Um, you're going to be facing Kofi Kingston at uh, Super Showdown in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. So progressive. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that I believe that is going to be it for today's episode. Well, I did want to say oh. one thing. Ziggler had one heck of a promo. Yeah, that stand-up comedy has really helped his state. <laughs> state I mean, he, he's stuff. always had great promos, though. Yeah, for sure. Some of them are quite similar to each other, but the fact that he felt like it sounded like he was about to cry the entire time really just made it feel real right and I think if there's one thing on Smackdown to go back and and watch if you have not seen Smackdown it is uh, is that a, promo yeah for sure also the R-Truth thing but uh. <laughs> and anything else noteworthy that you want to talk about on either Raw or Smackdown um nope 
that's about it. All right. Um, so yeah, that was um, that was that, our show. And that was the first ever episode of the Wrestling Reactions podcast. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening so much. Um, this is a uh, future episodes will be um, the entire episodes will be uploaded to YouTube. And they will be available uh, wherever, whatever service you get your podcasts from. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Wrestling React. That's Wrestling and then React with a W. Um, and you can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube to make sure you catch future episodes at uh, a YouTube channel is just uh, Wrestling Reactions uh, Podcast. And you can like us on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. If we'll, you want. If you want, of <laughs> course. Uh, all that good stuff will be in the description. Um, Just keep up to date with what we're doing, what episodes are out, things like that. Yeah, and we're going to try to be consistent with uh, recording and putting out uh, future podcasts. Um, yeah, if it's not weekly, it's going to be at least every pay-per-view. Yeah, for sure. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Well, sort of. We won't see you. You won't see us. You'll hear us. (laughs) Bye.